Welcome to the Navajo Better Show. I'm your host, Paul Vogelzang, and this is episode number 391. Today's show is sponsored by Native. As part of our Smithsonian Associates Inside Science series, we're speaking today to Dr. Barry Gordon. Dr. Barry Gordon is the founder of the Memory Clinic at the Johns Hopkins Medical Institutions in Baltimore. Dr. Barry Gordon is also a nationally recognized expert on memory and memory disorders. Today, Dr. Gordon is here to shed light on these debilitating conditions and he'll provide guidance on what you need to know to make the most informed decision and take active steps if you spot these conditions, whether personally or in a family member or friend. According to the Alzheimer's Association, worldwide, 50 million, that's five zero million people, are living with Alzheimer's and other dementias. Alzheimer's disease is a degenerative brain disease and the most common form of dementia. Dementia is not a specific disease. It's an overall term that describes a group of symptoms. Dr. Barry Gordon addresses when you should be concerned that someone may have those symptoms and early dementia, even yourself, and when you should raise the alarm. Dr. Gordon details the steps you should expect your doctor to take to find out what is wrong. The current treatments available for Alzheimer's and other dementias including drugs and behavioral treatments such as enriched activities and the treatments and preventions that may be on the horizon. Please join me in welcoming via internet phone to the Not All Better Show, Dr. Barry Gordon. Dr. Barry Gordon, welcome to the program. Delighted to be here, Paul. I'm delighted to talk to you too, Dr. Gordon. I think this is going to be just a fascinating conversation. I really want to get into this, but why don't you tell us briefly about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation? Well, I'm going to be talking, or have a two-hour seminar on October the 24th. My intention is to have the first hour be a lecture, and really the second hour to be Q&A. And what I want to do is tell people something about what's out there in terms of what they have to be concerned about in terms of things like uh, aging, mild, what's called mild cognitive impairment, and the various dementias. Clarify that what's meant by a dementia is actually a syndrome, a syndrome that can be caused by a number of different diseases or even combinations of diseases. So although the most common one that people think of is Alzheimer's disease, there's also vascular disease, Lewy body disease, and other conditions out there which either alone or in combination, are what people well, really do have to worry about as they get older because they're mainly conditions of older age. This is very helpful, and, and again, I'm very interested in this, and I'd like to talk to you a little bit about memory loss because I think so many of my audience and so many of the Smithsonian audience will have perhaps suffered from it, experienced it, certainly, and I think there's a, a bit of a re overreaction, maybe, to the subject of memory loss. Immediately, I think people think, uh, you know, Alzheimer's, or they think the worst. But tell us what the facts are around memory loss. I mean, we're all kind of going through that, aren't we, a little bit? <laughs> well, in fact, everybody's going through it. There, I even <laughs> found a paper recently that 70% of PhD candidates, who I can assure you are much younger than <laughs> the target audience for this podcast, yeah. are complained of memory problems. And the, the simple fact is, is that most people at some point get worried about their memory. It's from almost every survey that's been done. But that's partly because we have the wrong standards and partly because it's not our brain that's at fault usually. It's just circumstances, lack of sleep, distraction, 
um, you name it. Um, depression is a common problem. Um, distraction. And so people also don't realize that, for example, newscasters are reading from teleprompters. <laughs> the reason they don't make mistakes when they speak is because they're reading it out of something. And we don't have teleprompters in ordinary life unless most of us don't. So on the other hand, there is a real cause for concern because what's called memory loss is often one of the earliest signs of these dreaded conditions. If not mild cognitive impairment, then even more severe problems like Alzheimer's disease and dementias in general. The, um, th- there's no easy way to tell a serious memory loss, an early serious memory loss, from a normal memory loss, except um, here's the kind of criteria that people use. That are, first of all, the more you're aware of your memory loss, often the less you have to worry about. Because um, people who are getting dementias typically are not that aware or they minimize their problems. So if you're really, really worried, um, and it's you, it's not somebody else, but it's you, then the simple fact that you know that something is not quite right helps say that whatever's not quite right is not something fundamentally wrong with your brain. It's, it's something interfering with the way your brain is working, but not your brain malfunctioning itself the, intrinsically. Um, so we, there's a clinical rule of thumb, in fact. The more that people complain, the less likely the, doc, the, less the doctor gets worried. Uh, it, now, it doesn't hold in every case, and there are people who legitimately are worried and who legitimately wind up having problems. But in general life, most of the cause of memory complaints relates to things like just normal memory, high standards, uh, depression, sleep loss, sometimes medications, etc., what we look for to be a sign of more problematic things is do other people notice that you're having a memory problem? Does it bother other people? Because that's a better standard uh, than you yourself. The second thing we look for is does it affect serious things and those things that you really shouldn't be forgetting? Um, now, everybody can forget something important every once in a while. Uh, and many people have the experience of forgetting where they put their car keys or whatever you want to call important. But is it happening frequently? Is it more than once? Is it more than people expect to have as an aberration? And the second, uh, the third thing that we look for is, is it getting worse over time? In general, the dementias progress from year to year so that you can see a change in people like from one Thanksgiving to the next, one holiday season to the next. Whereas mild cognitive impairment tends not to progress if it progresses at all very fast, and normal aging is relatively gradual, thankfully. Um, So those are the things we look for. Who's complaining? Who's noticing it? How serious are the episodes? How how frequently are they occurring? And I should add the fourth thing, how how do they progress? So, Dr. Barry Gordon, let's let's talk for a second about what what we can do. If it starts to get serious, if it's perhaps getting worse, others are noticing it, some of these various criteria that you, that you listed are starting to show up. What can we do to prevent some of this, maybe delay the dementias? And what about some of the treatments that are available today? A total order of questions. So first of all, what I tell people is not to panic mm-hmm. because there are many reasons for memory loss and memory dysfunction as we get older, especially that may not mean dementia. Uh, For example, uh, most sleep loss, depression, 
medications. A lot of older people are on sleeping medications. They don't realize that these can actually affect you. Now, we don't medically actually know how often that occurs. One of the paradoxes of modern clinical work is, is that we don't know how often we find, are going to find treatable conditions. But the simple fact is, is that they are out there and they are reversible. So that I didn't mention one of the criteria for dementia diagnoses in some classifications is that it has to last six months or more. And the reason is, is that there are so many things, especially as you get older, that can temporarily cause memory problems that don't mean dementia, but can, can affect people fairly significantly anyway. Uh, surgery, for example, uh, can have a surprising hit on people. So first of all, I recommend don't don't necessarily give up. And the other part of that is is that do do something about it because if you say, well, there's nothing I can do, then you'll never find out what might be treatable or what isn't. I advise people to consider what their risks are. So even before they begin to have a problem, what's, what may affect you most? And the conditions that the treatable conditions or potentially treatable conditions are things like high blood pressure, diabetes, as I mentioned, drugs uh, that can affect the mind, and a couple other conditions. Um, those are the biggies. Uh, the reason is, is that if you have them, then it puts you at higher risk for having something that accelerates or aggravates any of the other dementia, causes of dementia. And so those are where the money is, in a sense, for you individually to go after. I also recommend that if at all possible, people try to find out what their family history is like. And I recommend that people try to know what their APOE4 status. APOE4 is a, one of the genes. And if you have it, it raises an individual's chances of getting Alzheimer's disease. And um, that plus a family history of what's actually in your family can tell you what you yourself have to be more concerned about compared to somebody else. One important aspect of the family history is that, unfortunately, they're often fairly vague. And you know that grandpa suffered from something. You may know that mom has or had something, but you may not know exactly what it was. This doesn't usually work out in practice, but if possible, try to find out just what was going wrong. Because it may not have been Alzheimer's disease. It may have been, for example, they had a blood clot or multiple strokes or something else that has a totally different significance for your risk, your own particular risks. So the steps are, first of all, try to reduce the obvious risk factors such as hypertension, diabetes, prediabetes, and the like. Second of all, know what your genetic risks are, both from your family and, if possible, your own genetic risk to the extent that's known or knowable. And then thirdly, the general advice for everybody is actually exercise. Huh. Good. <laughs> the, um, uh, as much as I hated to find this out in a sense. <laughs> but, I think I know where but, you're going. Um, <laughs> yes, but, but it looks like aerobic fitness is important for a great many aspects of our health, including brain health. And actually, it looks like aerobic fitness or becoming more fit is probably the most important general thing you can do. Now, there's an important caveat with that. We don't really know this for certain yet. Nobody's studied it long enough, but the evidence is reasonable so that as we're talking in 2019, that's where I place my money. 
and that's where I put my treadmill, <laughs> the weights. Um, not guaranteed, and, it's, and you have to be careful because, of course, if you start an exercise program when you're older, or at any age, you, you run some risks. But it does look like exercise is what the brain wants, aerobic fitness. I also, although I can't say it's related to brain health directly, I also will have to recommend balance training and knowing how to fall. So the combination of balance training and learning how to fall more appropriately so you don't hurt yourself in quite the same way is potentially important as somebody gets older. Not strictly speaking part of memory training, but important for preventing those problems. Can't prove it yet, but that's what's on the, it, it's clear that's on the horizon. There's so many changes going on. But right now, this is what I think we can do in 2019. Hi, it's Paul, and we'll be right back with Smithsonian Associates Inside Science guest, Dr. Barry Gordon, and the important topic of Alzheimer's and dementia. I mentioned our sponsor at the top of the show, Native. Now I want to tell you why Native. Among other products, Native makes an excellent deodorant. Like all of you in our Not Old Better Show audience, I have tried a million deodorants. I've also heard about the possible link to some forms of cancer from aluminum-based deodorants. I avoid aluminum-based deodorants because of that relationship to cancer and other diseases. Native is aluminum-free, safe, and effective. My wife, Gretchen, does the same thing. She avoids aluminum-based deodorants, and we both have been using Native deodorant. I will tell you that I like the way it smells, too, both on me and on Gretchen. We're using the coconut vanilla, which happens to be the most popular native scent. Importantly though, it works. Making the switch to a natural deodorant does not mean having to sacrifice on odor and wetness protection. And Native has over 8,500 five-star reviews. Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents for men and women. Plus, Native releases new, limited edition seasonal scents throughout the year. Native also offers an unscented formula and baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivities. So for 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code NOTOLDBETTER during the checkout. Look, there's no risk to try this. Native offers free returns and exchanges here in the U.S. Remember, that's 20% off your first purchase when you visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code NOTOLDBETTER during checkout. Try it out. Thanks, everybody. And now back with Smithsonian Associates Inside Science guest, Dr. Barry Gordon. Of course, with Dr. Barry Gordon, will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates Inside Science Program coming up Thursday, October 24th, 2019. Please check our website because the location has changed. Uh, Dr. Gordon will be at the Hirshhorn Museum and Sculpture Garden, and uh, we'll have details, of course, on the website. The title of the program is Understanding Alzheimer's Disease and Dementias, What We Know and What We Can Do. So great to hear from, from you, Dr. Gordon, Dr. Barry Gordon, founder of the Memory Clinic at Johns Hopkins Medical Institution. So somebody who knows, and uh, we certainly appreciate your time. Just one final question, almost uh, just a, a bit connected to, to your last answer, and that is in, in your book, your excellent book, which is getting rave reviews, by the way, entitled Intelligent Memory, you refer to this idea of intelligent memory. And I think it, it almost has to do with some of these enriched activities that you're referring to, but maybe tell us about intelligent memory 
what is it and what are some of these other enriched activities, quizzes or brain teasers, some of those kinds of things that we might do in order to keep ourselves healthy uh, and uh, to, to even stave off some of these conditions? Well, intelligent memory is a term my co-author Lisa Berger and I coined to try to describe a kind of memory that's long been known to science, which is called procedural memory. And we wrote that book to complement an earlier book of mine called Memory, Remembering and Forgetting in Everyday Life because the initial book wasn't giving a complete picture. And in some ways, the talk right now hasn't given a complete picture. Mm-hmm. We, we use as humans two different memory systems, one called declarative memory, which we call in the intelligent memory book everyday memory because it's the kind of people, the kind of memory people think of as everyday memory. Uh, by the way, as an aside, I tell people during my talk to watch how many memory mistakes I make in word choice <laughs> or forgetfulness because hopefully I'm normal. So they can at least use that as some standard. Okay? Now, my wife doesn't necessarily believe that, but, but at least, you know. So, so when we talk about we memory, when we talk about, that's right, we, when we talk about memory, we often talk about, like, remembering where you parked your car, remembering what you went to the store for, remembering mm-hmm. even why you walked upstairs kind of thing. That's actually a kind of memory called declarative memory. Um, But there's a different kind of memory, much older and much deeper and more pervasive, called procedural memory. It's the memory involved in actually learning, knowing how to drive a car, for example, ride a bicycle. It's the memory involved in knowing how to talk, to read, everything else. And it's also the memory heavily involved in things such as judgment and wisdom, evaluation, snap judgments, etc. To some extent, the book Blink talked about that kind of memory. The Malcolm Gladwell book talked about it, just as our book, Intelligent Memory, did. And the reason I thought it was important to talk about this is because, you know, in the old days, people kind of realized that older people had something that younger people didn't. And sometimes they called it wisdom. Sometimes they called it judgment. Sometimes, I don't know what they called it. (laughs) All right. But they knew that there was something. And so there are some cultures that actually venerated older people for whatever this quality was. We think it's because this procedural memory, this intelligent memory, actually resists aging and can get better with age. As you have more and more experience, you can put things together more. You can think about things better. And it's one of the... Your your vocabulary grows, for example, in many people. And so it's actually one of the benefits of getting older is that this memory is preserved and you can help make it better. So that even though you might get somewhat slower, which is inevitable, it seems, whatever, this underlying memory strength can improve. And so um, I recommend in the book, Lisa Berger and I recommend, and I've generally recommended, that people do something that they enjoy intellectually. You'll notice I didn't talk about doing brain games or anything else for staving Mm -hmm. off dementia. Mm -hmm. And that's because, well, first of all, I forgot, actually. But (laughs) the other... The other reason is because it's not clear that they're actually effective. Mm-hmm. What, it's not clear that specific brain training is going to be effective. But what is plausible is that if you do something you like, and that's also mentally challenging, if you're with other people, you're doing a give and take, you actually are kind of tweaking lots of different, if you like, nerve fibers in your head. And although no one yet has absolute proof that that will keep you young, mentally agile and young, there's reasonable plausibility that it will help. 
not as much as maybe exercise well, aerobic fitness rather, but help nonetheless. So that's a point I made, Lisa Berg and I made in the Intelligent Memory book, and that I think others have been making uh, to stay mentally active, to, to stay involved socially, uh, because even though some of these like social situations can involve a number of rough spots, actually it's that rough spots that helps make you better. It's kind of like the exercise, so you know, no pain, no gain kind of thing, as long as it's not too much. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Barry Gordon, thank you so much for your time. This has been so helpful, so interesting. I know that uh, on the uh, the evening of October 24th, you'll be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates Program. You're going to be answering some questions towards the end of your presentation. I think that's going to be helpful, too, and we appreciate your time here answering answering our questions. I didn't mean to interrupt you. You've got to oh, no, no, go, I go right say, ahead. I hope to answer as many questions as possible. The uh, organizer of this is giving me given me permission to spend at least an hour answering just questions because That's I really great. can't presume to know what people are going to have on their mind. So I want to give a broad introduction and maybe this podcast, if they heard it, will serve so I can answer even more questions <laughs> if possible. That's great. Very good. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank, Thank you. you. Really really good to it. talk to you, Very. Okay, bye-bye. My pleasure, Paul. Take care. Bye-bye. My special thanks to Native. Take care of your body. It's the only place you have to live for sponsoring today's show. And my special thanks to Dr. Barry Gordon for joining me today. And please check out the Not Old Better Show website for more details about Dr. Barry Gordon's Smithsonian Inside Science events. And of course, my thanks always to the wonderful Smithsonian team for all they do to support the show. The Not Old Better Show. Talk about better. Thanks, everybody. Dr. Barry Gordon is a paid speaker for the Smithsonian Associates. All opinions expressed and implied in this presentation are solely those of Dr. Barry Gordon. The content of his presentation does not represent nor reflect the views of the Johns Hopkins University nor the Johns Hopkins Medical Institutions.